And welcome in everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Walmack, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground. And we had, I don't know, we had a week. <laughs> we had a week four. Um, we are going to be doing the normal, you know, what we learned from this week. I feel like it was a pretty slow week as far as stuff that really stood out, you know, that we can, that we can really learn from, you know, trends that we can really learn from that haven't really already been established. Um, but, you know, there were a few things and I've got it, you know, I've got it all jotted down and let's get into it. All right, yeah, what stood out? What stood out in week four of the NFL? Let's start with the Thursday night game. There's really only one player I want to talk about in this one. You know, I mean, no fan gets hurt. We'll see how that goes. It really sucks. He got carted off the field. Um, I've not heard what's wrong with him as of yet. Hopefully everything's good. Um, hopefully he doesn't miss that much time, but I wanted to talk about Jerry Judy because, you know, aside from that one big touchdown that he had, which was pretty, it was a pretty incredible play. He didn't do a whole lot, but you know, I've watched Jerry Judy, you know, basically his, I mean, throughout all four weeks so far. And like this dude is 100% going to be a hit in the NFL. He's got the pedigree, he's got the draft capital, and he really does look up to the challenge to you know to play football at its highest level. You know, he is fat, you know, he's one of the faster wide receivers. You know, I mean he looks fast, he looks quick, he looks shifty. He's had a couple of drops, but I mean I can't imagine that's going to be a big problem going forward. Um, you know, I've never heard anybody criticize Jerry Judy's hands. I never saw a problem with Jerry Judy's hands, you know, throughout, you know, his college career. Um, yeah, if you've got Judy on your team, on your dynasty roster, don't sell him right now. I mean, if you, if you can use him as a throw in to bring in a truly elite player, I mean, it's one thing. If the value is right, it's one thing, but Look, Jerry Judy's the real deal. He's going to be an extremely fantasy-relevant wide receiver for years to come. I'm liking what I'm seeing out of this dude. Switch over to the Sunday games. Um, I want to talk about... Look. Um, something happened on Sunday. And it involves you know, a late first, early second round running back that was going in Dynasty Startups. It involves Nick Chubb. Yeah, he leaves the game with a knee injury, is going to undergo an MRI. We don't know right now what the deal is. Here's what we do know. Hopefully, hopefully you have Kareem Hunt. Hopefully, you know, if you've been listening to my show for any for any extended period of time, 
you've probably heard me tout Kareem Hunt on these airwaves. You know, I had both Hunt and Chubb as RB2s for the 2020 season. Um, I was always, I was never selecting Nick Chubb in any draft. I was always waiting and selecting Kareem Hunt, you know, four or five rounds later. I'm not taking a victory lap. You don't, you don't take victory laps on, um, on injuries, but here's what I am doing. I am saying that, I mean, first of all, I think Kareem Hunt was always the correct play and through three weeks, their, their touches were nearly identical. Um, or at least their total opportunities was nearly identical, but Look, if Nick Chubb misses out on, you know, if he misses an extended period of time or worse, and if you took my advice and drafted Kareem Hunt, your fantasy team is going to be in good shape <laughs> because Kareem Hunt is awesome. He's awesome. And you know what? If you didn't draft Kareem Hunt, we can probably go out and get Dearness Johnson. I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. Dearness Johnson. Look, this dude got 13 carries for 95 yards. No receptions, but 13 carries? Like, if Nick Chubb is out and Kareem Hunt is the starter, it looks like Dearness Johnson is going to be involved and could easily warrant flex appeal if Chubb is going to be out. Like, 13 carries, 95 yards. I mean, this is a player that has hung around the roster for a few seasons now. You know, he's he's shown his medal. He's shown that he's an NFL caliber player. He's going to hang around. He's going to get some work, it looks like. You know, if what happened on Sunday is any indication of what's to come, Ernest Johnson could be, you know, he's worth a speculative ad at least. Um, Want to switch over to the Carolina Panthers. Look, Robbie Anderson... Honestly, seems like he's the number one wide receiver in Carolina. I know we're only through four weeks, but we got to think that is a quarter of the season. We're a quarter of the way in right now. Even more so, we're, I mean, we're about a third of the way in the fantasy regular season. But he's racked up, Robbie Anderson has racked up 28 catches on 34 targets for 377 yards up to this point. 28 catches. 34 targets, 377 yards. Compare that to 16 catches on 32 targets for 288 yards for DJ Moore. Look, Robbie Anderson is getting used more. He is getting more targets. He has been, you know, he's catching a higher percentage of his targets and he has almost 100 more yards. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. It sucks. I've been a huge DJ Moore fan ever, I mean, since the pre-draft process when he came out. I was really hoping for a true DJ Moore breakout this year. I figured he would be one of the safest, steadiest, most high-floor players in the league, you know, wide receivers in the league. And I figured his touchdowns would come up a little bit, providing a little more of a ceiling. I thought he would be a great fantasy wide receiver in 2020. Look, I mean, I, I don't know. As of right now, Robbie Anderson's the dude. He's the guy, and I, I don't know what to do with that information. I'm not trading DJ Moore for Robbie Anderson. 
And I don't know that I, I mean, if you can trade Robbie Anderson, if the Robbie Anderson owner in your dynasty league feels like this is fool's gold and you can get, I mean, if you can get Robbie Anderson at decent value, I'm okay making that deal. Or maybe if you're, you know, if you're trading a wide receiver, maybe in the tier above Robbie Anderson and you're trading down to get Anderson plus another piece, I, I, I don't hate that at all. Um, I mean, it's to the point now I'm comfortable slotting Robbie Anderson in my starting lineups and I'm going to do so until he gives me a reason not to. Now, I'm glad I got the, uh, the panic alarm button here. Because much like DJ Moore, we need to talk about Kenyon Drake. Yeah. Um, if you if you're in your dynasty league and you acquired Kenyon Drake cheap for cheap in the past, maybe you're okay. But if you're in the first year of your league and you drafted him in the early second round of startups this season. Look, it's officially time to be worried. It's officially time to be worried about Kenyon Drake. Um, you know, minus the injury. Yeah, he gets hurt in this game, leaves the game, doesn't come back. I don't know the extent of the injury, but he wasn't playing. I mean, he left the game in the fourth quarter. It's not like he got hurt at the beginning of the game and wasn't just wasn't able to produce because he wasn't there. No, he was there. He got 13 carries. He got no receptions in a game that Arizona was trailing for pretty much the whole game. I don't know what the deal is. <sighs> I mean, this could be one of those situations where, you know, we were just projecting a player that's never done it over the course of a full season. I hate to say it because I have Kenyon Drake in some leagues. I have him in my main dynasty league. But this could be one of those situations where we just got a little too ambitious. We got a little too, you know, we raised our expectations a little too high. Um, we'll see. We will see what this injury is. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Hopefully he's able to get back sooner rather than later. But as of right now, if I have a better option or like an option that I feel safe at running back, I'm going that route. Um, switching over to the Dallas Cowboys, I want to talk about them for a little bit. Ezekiel Elliott, not much to say here, right? He's got, you know, he's getting a bunch of carries. He's going to get a bunch of work. That's fine. But he is sneakily racking up a bunch of receptions. He did this a few years ago, remember? And then the receptions went down last year, but he's garnered six catches, six catches, and eight catches in the last three weeks. That is big time, not only for PPR and half PPR leagues, but even for standard. I mean, you're generally going to do more with the reception than you do with the rush. So getting these, getting this reception work is huge. And I don't think they're going anywhere. I mean, he's probably not going to get six, six and eight receptions, you know, every week. But I mean, three, four, I think we can expect three or four catches a week out of Ezekiel Elliott. Um, <clears throat> Ezekiel Elliott's teammate, Amari Cooper, you know, not much to say about him either. He was a high round draft pick, but in my opinion, this dude is not going to be the volatile wide receiver that we all remember him being in the past. And I talked about it last week, you know, 
about how he's getting a bunch of targets. He is, he's feeling really safe right now. And he follows, he follows up what I said last week with another 16 targets and 12 catches in week four. This dude has had no less than 81 yards in any game this year. And let's face it, Dallas's defense doesn't look very good right now. It seems primed to keep Dallas's offense in throwing situations all year. And Michael Gallup's not commanding a large target share. CeeDee Lamb is, you know, I could have talked a little bit about CeeDee Lamb here, but, you know, I had CeeDee Lamb as my by far and away wide receiver one for this rookie class. I'm trying to acquire him in my dynasty leagues. I'm offering, I'm kind of, I'm not going to say what I've been offering because I'm kind of embarrassed, (laughs) honestly. Um, But they've been getting rejected. I've, I mean, I'm offering, like, I'm offering overpays. This isn't me trying to be a sneaky, you know, I'm not trying to be one of those guys that's trying to, you know, lowball somebody. I'm offering high-end, high-end talent. You know, I, like I said, I'm not going to say it out loud on these airwaves because I don't want anybody hearing me say what I've been offering and calling me an idiot and not listening to the podcast anymore. Um, I mean, let's just say I'm offering wide receivers that have been top tier wide receivers for multiple years now and that I still can't get the job done. Um, but yeah, as far as Amari Cooper goes, you know, I, I've drafted him in a couple of leagues just because I didn't mind the value, but I didn't love having him on my team just because I didn't want to deal with the volatility. But like, I don't think Amari Cooper is going to be volatile this year. I think he is going to be about as safe as they come. And the ceiling that he's always had is still there, especially in this offense, is going to be throwing the ball 100 times a game. Um, switching over now to the Sunday night game, Debo Samuel makes his 2020 debut. He was clearly on a pitch count, but you can tell Kyle Shanahan still wants to use him in creative ways. That's good to see because, I mean, I called for Debo Samuel to be a breakout when I was doing my sleepers, breakouts, and busts episodes. We love Debo Samuel here. Not as much as Brandon Ayuk. (laughs) No, I mean, we love Debo Samuel here um, at the Dynasty Underground, but, you know, Brandon Ayuk... Oh, man. If you haven't seen the touchdown Brandon Ayuk had against the Philadelphia Eagles, you need to go watch it. You need to go. You need to pause the podcast right now and, and go watch it. Go look it up on YouTube. I'll wait. Look, just hit pause. I'm not going anywhere. Just hit pause. Go watch it. Come back. Okay, are you back? Dude, was that not ridiculous? <laughs> That's why we loved Brandon Ayuk all along. I mean, he is hurtling guys. He's breaking tackles. Um, you know, he breaks this big run. It was technically a rushing attempt because the ball was thrown backwards to him, but he made some Philadelphia defenders just look foolish. And, you know, this was why I had Brandon Ayuk as a first round rookie pick in 2020. This is why I had him as my rookie wide receiver five. You know, most people had him lower. I was way higher than consensus on Brandon Ayuk all off season. And it was because of his versatility, 
It was because of his dynamism and it was because he has a play caller that knows how to utilize that skill set. What more do you want? You know, this was, in, in my opinion, and I'm not taking, I'm not, you know, taking the victory lap yet because we're only, you know, three games into this dude's career because he didn't play week one. We're three games into this dude's career. So it's too early to take a victory lap. I get it. But this seemed like a pretty easy call. You know, when we're talking about, you know, the T. Higgins and Denzel Mims and Henry Ruggs, you know, LaVisca Chenault, the players that were going around Brandon Ayuk and oftentimes ahead of Brandon Ayuk in rookie drafts, I never understood it. I never understood it, and this is why I had Brandon Ayuk ahead of all of them all along. Because he can be utilized in multiple different ways, and he has a coach that, I mean, embraces that fact and will actually utilize him in those ways. Giving him, you know, handoffs, giving him, you know, backwards lateral passes that technically count as rushing attempts, you know, just getting the ball in his hands, getting him in space and watching him make people miss. This is why we love Brandon Ayuk. Um, His overall numbers in this game look pretty awesome, but we do have to put it in context. He only caught two of five targets. He had a total of six opportunities, which is fine, but I mean, hopefully with what he showed, what he's shown over the last two weeks, Hopefully that explosiveness is enough to warrant, you know, some more usage as the season goes along. Uh, George Kittle, you know, we all know what George Kittle is. I just wanted to bring him up because he looked completely healed from the knee injury. And this dude, honestly, I mean, he had 16 targets and should have had a two-point conversion also, but he dropped it. Um, But dude, this dude could lead all tight ends in targets from this point forward. Because San Francisco's defense is not what it was last year. They are going to have to throw the ball a lot, especially in the division they're in with the Cardinals and the Rams and the Seahawks. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. And George Kittle is the best player on their football team. Um, You know, I don't know. It's not like I don't know that you can go buy George Kittle, especially after that performance. But just wanted to point out that he looked as good as ever and completely healed from the knee sprain. Um, Jarek McKinnon. Look, this dude is the clear lead back right now. As long as Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert are out, Jarek McKinnon is the guy. And he looked really good in this game. You know, Jeff Wilson was only really used to spell Jarek McKinnon. And honestly, you know, I said this last week, but Jarek McKinnon should 100% take over as the 1B to Raheem Mostert's 1A ahead of Tevin Coleman. Like when Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert are back, the backfield should mainly consist of Raheem Mostert and Jarek McKinnon. And Tevin Coleman can come in sometimes. Because McKinnon's just better. He's a better, more complete, more versatile running back than Tevin Coleman. And he's healthy. He's healthy right now. I mean, just a few years ago, San Francisco brought Jarek McKinnon in and paid him fairly well to be their bell cow running back, their three-down running back. He's got the pass-catching skill set. They're targeting Jarek McKinnon more than they ever targeted Tevin Coleman. It, I don't know, it just makes sense. 
Jarek McKinnon should 100% usurp Tevin Coleman on the depth chart. And I'm, you know, I'm expecting that to happen. You know, Kyle Shanahan's a smart guy. I feel like he knew what he had in um, Jarek McKinnon when he brought him in. I don't see how Tevin Coleman keeps this dude off the field. One more player in this game I want to talk about, Zach Ertz. Like, dude. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with this guy. Look, he should be smashing for fantasy owners right now. He should be destroying for fantasy owners right now. No Deshaun Jackson, no Jalen Rager, no Alshon Jaffrey, and no Dallas Goddard. Look, this dude gets four catches on five targets for nine yards and a two-point conversion. You know what? Yeah, we we need to we need to hit we need to, we need the panic button for Zach Ertz. <laughs> dude, I I don't know what the move is here either. I don't know what it is. I mean, if you're selling, you're selling low. If you're if you're selling Zach Ertz right now, you don't feel good about what you're bringing in. So you you should probably keep him. He's probably just a hold. As unsexy as that is, he's probably just a hold. Because I just don't know what you're going to get in return for Zach Ertz right now. I know I wouldn't be giving much, much up for him. I wouldn't be giving, you know, I'm not giving up much in the way of contributing players for my team. You know, I made a trade for him after week two in a redraft league. I gave up um, Evan Ingram and Zach Moss on a team where I was stacked at running back. But Dude, I just don't know. I don't know what the move with Zach Ertz is. I don't know why he's not doing more. It's just completely inexplicable. He should be, you know, George Kittle had 16 targets tonight. Zach Ertz probably should have at least had double-digit targets. I don't know why he only was able to get five yard or five targets. I don't know why he was only able to turn that into nine yards. Ooh, and he got the two-point conversion. Okay. Look, you know, it's probably just a hold. I hope you have, you know, I hope you have another tight end with some more upside on your dynasty teams. If you're in a redraft league with Zach Ertz, you're probably just stuck with him. Um, maybe there's a Mike Gesicki or Jonu Smith. Maybe Jonu Smith hit the waiver wire with, you know, the postponement of his game. But... Yeah, at, at some point there has to be <clears throat> there has to be we can't just assume Zach Ertz is gonna go out there and be the old Zach Ertz. Now I want to talk about one more player, and I saved this guy for last because this is my personal favorite. Joe Main Mixon gets six targets and six receptions we i don't even need to talk about the rushing attempts what do you get 20 something rushing attempts i didn't even write it down because we all knew he was going to get 20 you know 19 20 plus rushing attempts per game but he finally gets six targets and six receptions in this game now i'm not here to say that this was the breakout game and mixing is going to get six catches every game and score a bunch of touchdowns you know score touchdowns every game and go for almost 200 all-purpose yards but this could be the game. Look, you know, getting the six receptions in this game is significant for a few reasons. One, 
Giovanni Bernard records zero receptions on zero targets. So, I mean, it's pretty much all Joe Mixon here. Cincinnati finally won. They won the game whilst leaning heavily on Joe Mixon. Three, head coach Zach Taylor has seen firsthand how electric Joe Mixon is before. I mean, we all, if you don't remember the second half of Joe Mixon's 2019 season, you need to go look at it. At least go look at the game logs because he was doing it. He was doing, you know, the first round Joe Mixon things. He was doing what we expected him to be doing this year when we were drafting him in the first round of redraft leagues and dynasty startups. This is the guy we thought we were getting. And four, his usage up to and including this game does provide the solid floor. Like he's been, he's just been okay. But now we've seen the sky high ceiling as well. This is what we needed. We needed to see these receptions. We needed to see the big plays. He was score. I think he scored multiple twenty yard touchdowns in this game. We can't expect that every week, but. This is a talented player. This is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. He's got feature back size. He's got an all-purpose skill set. I mean, he's got one of the best elusiveness ratings in the game. This guy's legit running back. He is a first-round, you know, dynasty fantasy football talent. We just haven't been getting the production. We finally got the production. You know he's not gonna he's not gonna be scoring this much every week, but he is, he should be between week between what he gave us in week four and what he gave us in week three. That's where we should expect our our uh, points for Joe Mixon. Now we've got a special edition of the DraftKings builds for Monday night. Here comes the money. Here we go. Yeah. Normally, we would be doing a Captain Showdown build for the Monday night slate, or for the Monday night game, I should say, but we get two games. We get two games on Monday night, which means, oh man, okay, this is interesting. I did not know this. We get a full when we actually get, you know, we can run, we can make a classic lineup. And DraftKings is running a $10 millionaire maker tournament for tomorrow's, for Monday night's games. That is interesting. You know, I'm going to be doing that. I'm not going to be revealing that lineup on these airwaves, you know, because if you haven't heard me say it before, I'm going to say it right now. You know, I would be happy for me and I'd be happy for, you know, you guys if I gave you a Millionaire Maker lineup and entered it and it just happened to win and I had to split it with a bunch of my listeners. You know, like we could all be happy together, but like in my head, I would just be like, oh man, I uh, I should not have given them that lineup. I could have had the million dollars to myself. <laughs> Honestly, with it just being a two game slate and over 267,000 entries. There's probably not going to be a solo winner. There could be. There could easily be. 
you know, all it takes is one obscure player and the combination of, you know, the combination of other, you know, the right picks. But we are going to do the, you know, we're going to make a cash game, a double up lineup. Um, let's start at the quarterback position. You know, we got Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Jared Stidham, Brian Hoyer. And from what I've heard, it is going to be, yeah, Brian Hoyer is going to be the quarterback for the Patriots. I'm not putting Brian Hoyer in any of my lineups, whether it's cash games or tournaments, because, you know, if Brian Hoyer goes out there and it isn't playing well, he's probably going to get yanked. And we can't have that. We can't have that in our um, in our lineups. We have to have points, especially in cash games. So, to me, this is between Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt Ryan. Mahomes clearly the most expensive at seventy six hundred. Aaron Rodgers seven thousand. Uh, Matt Ryan sixty two hundred. Now, if he was closer, you know, if he was somewhere up at like sixty eight hundred or something. I would probably just go Patrick Mahomes, but since I can save $1,400, I'm going to go Matt Ryan. They're obviously going to throw the ball a bunch. Um, their defense is terrible. Aaron Rodgers is playing great right now. They're going to, Green Bay should put up a bunch of points. That game is likely going to be more of a shootout than the Chiefs Patriots game. So, yeah, I'm going to go Matt Ryan because he's the cheapest quarterback that I feel good about. Saves me $1,400. And it leaves me with it leaves us with an interesting strategy here. Because we didn't go Patrick Mahomes, we can play the correlation game with, you know, Kansas City has a good defense. They've got a good defense. You know, I said it before the season started. They've got, they've at least got a lot of talented players on their defense. And now three weeks into the season, I think we can safely say that, you know, it looks pretty salty. So we can play this correlation game. We can go Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at running back and put the Chiefs defense against the Patriots off, or yeah, against the Patriots offense. Now they are the most expensive, but what, I mean, what are we going to do here? We're not playing the Falcons defense against Green Bay. We're for sure not playing the Patriots defense against Kansas City. And, you know, we could save $1,200 and play Green Bay's defense against Atlanta, but I don't know. There's a lot of talented players on that team. This is a cash game. We want the safe points at least. And we get the correlation here. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Kansas City. Now, obviously, Aaron Jones has to go in the lineup. He has to. That's... That is not even, it's not an option not to have him in there. Um, I'm looking at tight ends right now. Travis Kelsey, 6,500. Hayden Hurst, 4,200. Robert Tanyan, 38. I don't know that I can get Travis Kelsey in the lineup. Let's look. You know, I have an average remaining salary per player of $5,200. I would definitely want to stack Matt Ryan with somebody. So it's either going to be Hayden Hurst at 4200 
Let's try that. Let's try Hayden Hurst at 4,200. Now let's go to my wide receiver three and find someone cheap that, you know, we can feel good about. Oh my goodness. Okay, it dries up pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, we could go Sammy Watkins. Man, that, that doesn't feel good going Sammy Watkins. But he has basically been used as their slot receiver. He is $4,300. Miko Hardman is $4,000. Russell Gage is $4,500. Yeah, Miko Hardman had the big game last week. But, you know, he was fourth. I don't remember if I brought this up on the last podcast or not. But he was fourth in wide receiver snaps. You know, so I don't really... I don't really want that. I don't want the player who's fourth in snaps on at his position. Oh man, this is gonna get this is gonna get salty really quickly. Um Okay, James White is back. He's forty seven hundred dollars. He might not be a bad flex play because I do want to get I want to get one of these top end receivers in there. You know, okay. Julio Jones is so Devontae Adams is seven thousand. Calvin Ridley sixty nine hundred. Tyreek Hill is sixty eight hundred. Julio Jones is six thousand. So there's a thousand dollar discrepancy here, and he Julio is going to play. I'm looking at it right now. Julio Jones will play Monday night. So. Given the fact that there's a $1,000 discrepancy between Julio and Devontae Adams, I'm going to go Julio Jones. That gives me the Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Hayden Hurst stack. I'm going to run that back with Marquez Valdez-Scantling because Alan Lazard is out indefinitely and he's only $4,900. That leaves me with... $11,200, so $5,600 per player to fill two positions. So let me check out these flex positions here. And I'm I'm likely going running back, depending on who's there. So it's Julian Edelman, or not Julian Edelman, sorry. Uh, Todd Gurley, Rex Burkhead, or James White, or Sony Michelle. So basically, for me, it's between Todd Gurley and James White. Gurley is fifty five hundred. James White is forty seven hundred. Oh man, I don't like it. I don't. I don't really like any of this. Let's go ahead. We'll put Todd Gurley in the flex. That gives us fifty seven hundred dollars. Julian Edelman is fifty three hundred, and that's who I'm going to go with. So yeah, that's gonna run. That's gonna leave us with Matt Ryan, Aaron Jones, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Julio Jones, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Julian Edelman, Hayden Hurst, Todd Gurley, and the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Um, Julian Edelman is listed as questionable, but you know the plan. It says the current plan for Edelman is to play, so he should be okay. I would imagine with the Patriots not having any really any other established pass catchers that Julian Edelman should see his fair share of targets. He's not going to catch a career high 179 yards or whatever it was again, but 
you know, he's the wide receiver, two or three, however you want to splice it in this scenario. And it's a cash game, full PPR, DraftKings, he should be all right. Um, now, let's go ahead and we are going to check out the spread and, you know, the points totals. Check out the betting lines on Monday night's games. Here comes the money. Yeah, we'll give this drop another go. Why not? Okay, so, you know, I ran through, you know, a lot of them, you know, on my last podcast. I'm sure I got some wrong. I know I got some right because I know the three favorites that I had was, or I should say four favorites. Um, No, I don't know. There's the three favorites that I had, I believe, was the Broncos Jets going under the points total. Got that one wrong. But I had the Seattle Seahawks covering the spread against the Dolphins. And the one I felt great about was the Buffalo Bills minus three. I locked that one up. Yep, give the old lock sounder right there. So I hope, you know, I went two for three. I hope all of you also went two for three as well or three for three. Honestly, hopefully you disagreed with me on the points total and took it and you went three for three. So, New England Chiefs, or New England Chiefs, New England Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are 10 and a half point favorites. The total points is 49 and a half. My goodness. I don't even know what to do with this. I think if I had, I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch this game. If I had to make a bet, I would bet on the Chiefs to cover the 10 and a half. I know that's a lot, especially for an NFL game. But I don't know what to do. I, I mean, I'm already betting on the Chiefs defense to stop the offense. That's why I put the Chiefs defense in my DraftKings lineup. So, yeah, I'm not going to touch this game personally. Not the, not the points totals, anything. I just, yeah, if I had to, I would take the 10 and a half. You know, hopefully what this exercise is to do, because I don't have a strong take on it, is... You know, if you are looking at this game and you feel pretty good about the 10 and a half and you hear me say that's what I would do if I had to, then, you know, hopefully, hopefully that gives you the courage, you know, to go ahead and make the bet. And I hope you win. I'm not going to touch it, but I hope you win. Uh, the Green Bay Packers Atlanta Falcons game. Packers are seven point favorites here. A point total of 57. Man, I don't know what to do with this game either. <laughs> Especially because I'm expecting all of Atlanta's offensive weapons to be healthy for this one. Green Bay's offensive weapons are not going to be healthy. You know, Devontae Adams, I think, is going to play. But, you know, Alan Lazard, who's been playing pretty well, he's not going to be there. Man, I don't know. The projected score on betdsi.com is 33.5 to 25.5 Green Bay. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think through this live on the air real quick. Um, I really thought I would have a strong take on at least 
you know, one of these things. Honestly, if I was if I was gonna bet on any of it, I think I would take the Falcons scoring more than their implied total, which is 25 and a half. I would take the over on yeah, I'm gonna go, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and lock that one up. Falcons over 25 and a half points. That's all I got for you. I'm sorry. Um, the the uh, Patriots, their implied total was 20 or 20 and a half. I think I would take the under there, but I don't feel as good about it as I do taking the over on the Falcons. That is going to do it for today's episode. Uh, this has been the Dynasty Underground. I have been your host, Derek Womack, and as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>